Amen. Well, we're honored today to have with us Pastor Kevin Birdsong. He has faithfully planted and pastored the Ocean Breeze Baptist Church in Tillamook, Cheese, Oregon. And um, Tillamook is famous for cheese. And um, we've known the Birdsong since 1988. That's a long time ago. So um, we were in Bible college together. They were seniors when we were freshmen. And um, about 10 years ago, we, we got reacquainted at the fine arts competition down in Salem, Oregon. And it, it's been wonderful to, to reconnect a friendship. And they're just a wonderful encouragement to us. And I know he's going to be an encouragement to you today. And tonight, we're in, we're in for a lot of good music, a, a, a wonderful blessing as well. So, Brother Kevin, you come and preach for us. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. What a blessing to be here with you folks this morning. Brother Tyler gave me his watch here so I can make sure. I'm glad he didn't give me a calendar. Amen. So we'll keep it right there. I'll be able to know what time to get uh, finished up here. But I'm so thrilled to be with you folks here at Metro Baptist Church. What a joy it is to be with Pastor Mackay and his dear wife, Lisa. As he said, we've known them since 1988. Can you imagine? Time flies by so quickly. And um, Brother Russell and I, we're getting older. Lisa and Charlotte, they're just getting prettier all the time. So we're so thankful. Uh, that's how you stay married for 35 years. She and I will celebrate 35 years here in June, and we're looking forward to that. She certainly is my better half, no doubt about it. She's a real angel. I know that because she's always up in the air harping about something. Yes. Thank God for 24 years, we're celebrating, we'll be celebrating 29 years next fall. God has been good to us down there. God has been good to you up here. I know what church planting is all about. The Lord has allowed Charlotte and I to plant two churches, and we've been 28, almost 29 years where we are now. And I'm thankful for what God is doing right here. I do believe that your best days are ahead of you, as Brother Tyler said. Our future is as bright as the promises of God, and that's very bright. Whether he chooses to hold off his coming, we'll see many souls saved and the church will continue to go forward. Maybe he'll come back and receive us unto himself any day now, and that certainly will be a bright future, and I'm excited about it either way. Keep on loving the Lord. Keep serving God with all your heart. Keep witnessing and helping others to come to know the Lord Jesus. Stay faithful to the Lord. Keep praying for your pastor and his wife and all the staff of Metro Baptist Church. You know, pastors are an interesting breed of people. I've learned, Pastor Mackay, that pastors cannot make everyone happy, but they can make everyone mad. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. So pray that you will help. Uh, he, the Lord will help us not to make everyone mad, for sure. And uh, I've learned also that there's no perfect person. We know that only Jesus. There are no perfect pastors. Pastors will make mistakes the same as others. So pray for him. Love them. Encourage them uh, in the Lord. There have been a couple of times in my life where I have went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, I know what's wrong with you. And he said, here's the problem. And in my heart and in my mind, I'm thinking, that's not the problem. 
And it came, I came to find out that the doctor was actually wrong. He, he misdiagnosed me. I knew what was right, and he was wrong. I think that's happened once, maybe twice in my entire life, and all the other dozens of times I've been to the doctor, he's been right, and I've been wrong. The point being, there are times where pastors will make mistakes, but he's going to be right more often than he'll be wrong. So you're better off to just go ahead and take the medication that the doctor gives you than to follow your own diagnosis most of the time. And that's the way it is with the pastor. So love him, pray for him. Uh, if he makes a mistake, he'll be humble and admitted, I'm sure. And uh, just keep looking to the Lord Jesus. Amen? Well, Okay, there's the first sermon for today. And uh, let's get into the real sermon for today. How about that? Colossians, the first chapter. If you have your Bibles today, would you go to Colossians chapter number one, please? We'll read some verses from the New Testament. I heard about a man who sent several books, older books, to the bookbinder to have them rebound. One of them was a tiny New Testament. When he received them back in the mail, he noticed on the New Testament, there was a little note attached to it from the binder, the book binder, and it said, this testament was so small, I couldn't get the entire name, the New Testament, on the backbone. Instead, I placed the letters TNT. The New Testament. And the pastor thought, now that's appropriate because the New Testament is dynamite. It's wonderful. It's TNT. So in the TNT this morning, Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 26. He's talking here about mysteries. I read where there are at least 12 mysteries in the TNT, in the New Testament. We're going to look at one of those mysteries today. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Are you interested to know what that mystery is? It was a mystery for ages. He said, but now. In his day, right now, he said, it's being made known. Well, here it is, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here's the mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is that Jesus Christ, the Lord God, Creator God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of that can live in you and in me. And that becomes, that is our hope of glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, I want to lift, lift those three words out of verse 27 and use them as our title and our text today, Christ in you. Christ in you. 
Let us pray. Now, Father, our hearts have been blessed today by the wonderful singing, the music played by the orchestra, the prayer time with your saints. But now we come to this crucial moment, the preaching of your word. And I pray that you might touch us and help us. Lord, if you would anoint my lips and anoint their ears and anoint all of our hearts that we might receive your word today, we'd surely appreciate it. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Christ in you. This little preposition, in, it's an interesting word indeed. We use it so often and we use it so many times every day in our conversations that we just simply take it for granted. In, Christ in you. That little preposition means within the limits within the bounds or area of. It also means from the outside to a point inside. From the outside to a point inside. Our text today speaks of Christ in you. It also says that the fact that Christ is in you is your hope of glory. If you have any hope of eternal life, any hope of heaven, it's only in Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ living in us is that great and glorious truth of the gospel, not known and not even possible until Jesus Christ died and rose again. The Bible says He is within the one who has been born again. That one has eternal life, and looks forward to eternity in heaven with Christ. Now, this morning I'd like to show to you three places in you Christ must be. Three places in you, three places in me Christ must be. First, He must be in your heart. In your heart. Would you take your Bible and go back to the book of Ephesians, just a few uh, pages back, and the third chapter. Sometimes we hear pastors say or others talk about Jesus in your heart, and they'll say, have you received Jesus in your heart? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Sometimes I think that we assume that that's just some type of preacher talk or uh, Christian rhetoric. But did you know that's not the case? Did you know that idea of Christ in your heart. This is Bible language. Look with me in the book of Ephesians, please, the third chapter. And uh, we will look now at verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There it is. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I like that, don't you? Jesus living in my heart. Jesus living in my heart. Wednesday night in our church in Oregon, 
We studied from Psalm 8 and we talked about the fact it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And then the next verse, verse 2, it says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. In verse 1, it's the fact that God is an infinite God. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. But the same God, just one verse later, is concerned about little babies crying in their crib. He's an infinite God. He's an intimate God. And that God who spoke this world into existence, that almighty, powerful God that thunders with His great voice, that same God is small enough to live in my heart and in your heart. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Is Christ in your heart by faith today? I heard about a little boy who had a checkup at the doctor. His mother took him in, and the doctor came in, and he wanted to examine or listen to the boy's heartbeat. And so he said, son, if you'll pull back your, your shirt there, I'll put my stethoscope in, and I'll listen to your heart. Well, the little boy didn't want anything to do with that. He had heard how cold those stethoscopes can be. And so he shook his head like this. The doctor thought, well, I'll try a little... Uh, I'll try a little psychology on him. He said, now, son, do you think if we open your shirt, we pull your shirt back, do you think we'll find Batman in your heart? He thought maybe that would cause the boy to lighten up and let him do the exam. But it didn't. The little boy shook his head like this. So the doctor said, oh, I know. Do you think we might find Superman in there? And the little boy shook his head. And then the doctor said, hmm, oh, he said, how about, do you think we'll find Spider-Man in your heart? And the little boy looked up at him and he said, no, sir, Spider-Man is on my underwear. Jesus is in my heart. <laughs> Well, I don't care, and I don't want to know who's on your underwear, but I do want to know, is Jesus in your heart? Amen. Jesus must be in your heart. The heart, that's the real you. That's the part of you that is you. Do you know, God is the creator of all things. And the fact that you are you means there's a you maker out there somewhere. And we're not talking about sheep here. The fact that you are you means there is a you maker somewhere. I have uh, Pastor Tyler's watch here. When I look at this watch, I can assume many things, but one of them, I can assume that there's a watchmaker out there somewhere. It didn't just happen to me. Think about all the intricate parts in a watch. Do you think that it could just appear out of a puddle of ooze? That's what the evolutionists want to tell you, that you came from that. Or some explosion and a beautiful watch like this would just happen to be? Surely not. And you are no accident either. 
God created you. God created me, and He gave you a living soul, the part of you that thinks, lives, breathes, that makes decisions. That is you. I heard a missionary one time in our church tell us that in his uh, part of the African continent where he was a missionary, that the tribe that he was working with in their culture, they would say the heart in their culture was the throat. And they would say, we've asked Jesus into our throat. That's unusual, isn't it? But it meant the same thing as we might say in our heart. Whether it's your throat or your heart, it means Christ is in you. You've invited him in. You've done it, as the verse said, by faith. How do you get him in your heart? By faith. I was nine years old at a little Baptist church in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. It was a Sunday night. The pastor had been to my house and witnessed to me, but I hadn't understood things very well. But on a Sunday night, our assistant pastor preached that night, and he talked about heaven, and he talked about hell. When the invitation was given, I was standing there beside my mother, and I pulled on my mommy's dress and said, Mom, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to go to heaven when I die. And she said, I'll go with you. Thank God for a mom like that. And she walked down that aisle with me, and the pastor met me there with the Bible, and he showed me from the Bible how I could know Christ as my Savior, how I could have Jesus Christ in my heart. I prayed a simple prayer. I can't even remember the exact words, but I know that something happened to me right there. Jesus came to live in my heart. Is he in your heart this morning? Second, you need Jesus in your head. Jesus in your head. The Bible says Christ in you. Now, I'm not talking about just mere mental assent. It takes more than head knowledge to be saved. But I'm talking about after you have Christ in your heart, then you need Him in your head. In other words, you need to gain a good working knowledge of who Jesus is, of who God is. You need a great knowledge in your head of all things concerning Jesus Christ. If you would, take your Bibles and go with me to 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter, and we'll look at a few verses here. You ask Him to come into your heart by faith. Now it's time to get Him in your head. Second Peter, we'll look at chapter number 1. And verse number 8.
For if these things be in you, and you can look back and see these things, these things in you, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, goodliness, or godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. After you have Christ in your heart, you need to get Him in your head. You need a good knowledge of Jesus Christ, of His characteristics. We read some of them right there. Of the way that He works in your life, who Jesus really is. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 20. Chapter 2 and verse number 20 of 2 Peter. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, and isn't it a polluted old world out there? My, things are happening that we never dreamed would happen. How are we to escape these pollutions? How are we to cleanse ourselves from these pollutions? Here's the answer. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through what? The knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one way to live a clean and pure life that God wants you to live, and that is having the knowledge of Jesus Christ in your head after you have received Him into your heart. Knowing about Christ, knowing who He is, knowing His Word... Look at chapter 3 and verse number 18. That would be the last verse of the book, 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of, the, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing in grace, gaining knowledge. My wife and I have been involved with Christian education for more than 30 years now. We have a Christian school in our church and we work with kids on a daily basis. And sometimes those kids, they just get frustrated with whether it's math, English, social studies, whatever the subject may be. I try to tell them, and they hate, they hate to hear this, but I tell them, it's easy if you know how. <laughs> it's easy. First they scratch it. What do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's like anything. If you will take the time and pay the price to learn it and to get it in your head, after you get it in your head, it's easy. Algebra is not that hard if, if you're willing to pay the price to get the knowledge of it. Then it's easy. I keep telling those kids, just study, learn, put it in your head. Get the knowledge. That's the way it is for us as believers. We need a good knowledge of Jesus Christ in our head. How are we going to get Christ into our head? First, through our ears. Interesting, isn't it? Through our ears. The ears are an, a, a gate to the mind. If we're willing to listen, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When pastor's preaching or a Sunday school teacher is teaching, uh, are you off out in la-la land somewhere? Hey, these are comfortable seats, aren't they? Man, it'd be easy. Half my church would fall asleep if I had chairs these comfortable. It's a temptation, isn't it? But if you can tune in and get those ears listening, we're talking about spiritual ears now for the most part. 
listening. That's how you get the knowledge of Christ. Through your eyes as you watch and learn and, and read the Word. It's going to take some study, isn't it? 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Study. Study. I used to have a teacher in Bible college who would pray this. Just before we would take our final exam or our midterm, he'd say, Dear Lord, bless these students according to how they studied. Ooh. Sometimes I hated that prayer because I hadn't studied. Other times, maybe it's okay, maybe I had studied. So guess what prayer my wife and I pray before our students take tests in our school? Oh, and they say, I bless them, Lord, according to how they've studied. And then I look up at them and some of them have big eyes like, uh-oh. Others smile and nod and go at it. They studied. It's going to take some study. It's going to take some burning of the midnight oil. It's going to take... At a definite decision to say, I'm going to know more about Jesus. Have you ever thought about taking an online course? Young people, have you ever considered going to a good solid Bible college and taking some time to learn more about Jesus? You need Christ in your head after you have him in your heart. And then thirdly, you need Christ in your hand. In your hand. Now, I want to show you something from the TNT, John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. These are some of my favorite verses. We have these verses on the wall in our church. John 1. One, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. Yes, the, 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 the Word of God, the Bible, but there's more to it than that. And the Word was with God. Now read the next phrase with me. And the Word was God. Wow. Isn't that something? So the Word was in the beginning. It was with God, and it was God. Look at verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Slip down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's that? Well, that's Jesus Christ. The Word was made flesh. He dwelt among us. In a sense, dear believer, when you hold the Bible in your hand, in a sense, you hold Jesus Christ in your hand. We need Jesus in our heart. That's for our salvation. We need Jesus in our head so we have some knowledge about Him. And we need Jesus in our hand that we might share him with others. That we might be a blessing to others about Jesus Christ. You can't be a good witness for Jesus if he's not in your heart. You can't be the best witness for Jesus if you don't have some knowledge about who Jesus is in your head. And then you take Jesus and you put him in your hand and you offer him to the 
world that's hungry, the world that's lost, the world that needs Jesus Christ. I was reading, and I'm sure you've read, from the book of Acts and the 8th chapter, a man named Philip, he was an evangelist. And he was, there was also a man in a chariot, remember, from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. And he was reading from the Bible, the Old Testament, but he couldn't understand it. He didn't know what it was he was reading. And he met that evangelist there on the road. And Philip said, understandest thou what you're reading? And the man said, how can I? Except some man guide me. And here was Philip with Christ in his heart. Here was Philip with Christ in his head. And here was Philip with Christ in his hands. I can just see Philip taking that Old Testament scripture there, Isaiah 53, and opening it up and reading it and explaining it to that man who needed Jesus in his heart. And the man had heard about baptism. He said, hey, here's a big pool of water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. In other words, you can be baptized, but you need Jesus in your heart. See how Philip had Jesus in his heart, in his head, and then in his hand. Yesterday we met and we went out and we handed out some gospel literature, some tracts, some flyers, and things like that. And um, uh, at one door, Pastor Mackay took his New Testament out and he shared with a man some things about Jesus. In a sense, he was holding Jesus in his hand. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How's your witness for Christ? Well, I'm afraid to witness to my neighbor or my co-workers. You know what? If you have a definite assurance that Christ is in your heart, and then you study enough to get Christ in your head, a lot of that timidity will fade away. A lot of that fear factor will be gone, and you'll be confident that you can share Christ with others. In your hearts, for saving you. In your head, for sensing who Christ really is. In your hands, for sharing Christ with others. For sharing Jesus with a lost and dying world. And they're all around us. And they need not us. It's not Metro Baptist Church specifically they need. It's Jesus Christ that the world needs. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is He in your heart today? If He's in your heart, have you let Him into your head? Have you studied? Have you given it some time? And have you shared Christ with others with Jesus in your hands? Let's go to our Lord in prayer. If you would, please bow your head with me and let's pray. Before we do, maybe I would ask this question. I don't know hardly any of you. So I don't know your heart's condition. I don't know if Christ is in your heart, but you would say, Pastor, the Lord has spoken to my heart today. I'm not sure if Christ is in my heart 
And I would ask you to remember me in prayer. And maybe you would just slip up your hand and put it right back down. I won't call your name out or anything like that. I promise. I'll just pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that Christ is in my heart. Is there anybody like that today across the auditorium? Just put it up and right back down. Anyone at all? All right. How many could say, Pastor, please remember me in prayer? I've not been as diligent about studying and getting Jesus in my head as I really should be. Remember me, Pastor, in your prayer that I might be more diligent in that area of my life. I see your hand, your hand, your hand, many, many hands. You know, I think I could raise my hand on that one too. Pray for me. And then maybe you would say, Pastor, I need to be more faithful in my witness for Christ. I need to put Jesus in my hand and offer him to others. Could you slip up your hand and say, pray for me? Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, you saw every hand that was raised and you know the heart that those hands represent. And I pray for these dear people. I pray that those ones who raised their hand concerning having Christ in their head. Lord, maybe they could seek some advice, get some good Bible material, take a class. Lord, there's many ways, but let's dedicate ourselves. Help us to dedicate ourselves to having Christ in our head. Lord, being a witness for you is a great privilege, but sometimes it's awful scary. We get a little nervous. Help us to have holy boldness and take Christ with us everywhere we go in our hands. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.